Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King Cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. This week, guys, what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be giving you my top 10 most painful Stephen King moments. So, uh, like last week's top 10 list, please note that spoilers galore. So, if you aren't fully familiar with all of Stephen King's works, I'm going to be spoiling a bunch of deaths and just really hard moments to read. So, um... Just please note that if you're reading this or you're listening to this, there's going to be spoilers galore. Before I get to that, though, I want to read a listener email from Shane. Shane writes, Hello, Constant Reader. I finished book seven of The Dark Tower last week, and I've been going back through the special Dark Tower episodes. My mind is constantly reeling with ideas about the story as a whole, so I thought I would send you some of them in an attempt to get it off of my chest. First, I really liked the ending, specifically the 12 Monkeys-style loop that Roland finds himself stuck in. I like the reduction of the Crimson King to Mean Old Father Christmas. I did have some issues with some of it. I know that you haven't quite hit on the last three books yet, um, which was at the the time uh, that I got the email, so I wanted to throw some thoughts at you in anticipation of those reviews. You warned us in the anniversary podcast that you wouldn't be separating the spoilers into special episodes. This gave me the impetus to hurry and finish The Dark Tower before you posted those reviews so I could be in on the fun. I thought that throwing in Patrick and the Magic Eraser at the end was too cheap. It was especially hard for me because I have no connection to Insomnia because I haven't read that book. I know that this is a shame on me and not Cy King's fault, but it left a bad taste in my mouth. The biggest thing that I wanted to touch on was Stephen King as a character in these books. Before I hit that directly, I wanted to point out that my experience with The Dark Tower is much different from yours. I read them all in a year's time after they had all been published. The Wastelands is my favorite because of Lud. This means I didn't have years of forethought and anticipation that many King fans carried with them into the last three books. I think this made me more accepting. You have repeatedly mentioned that King, including himself, reduced the characters to fictional characters in books. Um, yes and no, 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 I, I disagree with that, I'm sorry. Um, I've, I have mentioned that in regard to criticism, um, but that's not my, my, my belief. Um, I, I don't believe that King, including himself in the, in the works of the Dark Tower, reduces his characters to, to mere fiction. Um, but that is a criticism that I've heard in regards to the Dark Tower. I think that he went out of his way to paint himself as a passive conveyor of information. He was successful at convincing me of this, and um, this point made it really work for me. It created a narrative that matches with, philosoph- with the philosophy of a group of artists who sees themselves as vessels for their art instead of all-knowing creators. Most prominently, I think of Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk and her most recent appearance on TED Radio Hour about the source creativity. It was interesting read that King... Uh, that the King character with that in mind. Thanks again for all of your efforts in creating conversation around these books. Shane. Shane, thank you for writing in. Um, and everyone, feel free to write in um, at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. I love um, getting listener email. So um, feel free to write in. Okay, guys, this brings us to our most painful King moments. Um, now here's the deal. Stephen King, the, the, the library of Stephen King is littered with Stephen King corpses. And many of those corpses come with, um, very, very painful moments, painful emotionally, um, and, and more painful physically, right? Um, but it was hard to whittle those down to, to 10 moments. And for every one that I include on this list, I'm not including five 
10 um, that probably should be on the list. So even as I was getting ready to, to, to record this episode, I was changing the list. And I guarantee you that as I continue to record this episode, I'm, I'm probably going to stop and, and, and fiddle and tinker uh, because as I'm looking at the list, I realize that there are, there are missions that, that need to be on there. Um, so I'm battling with, with keeping the list as it is, with, with, um, with, with changing it, and it's my hope that as you listen to this, you're, you're kind of screaming at me um, and disagreeing with me and yelling at me why I didn't include other characters or other painful moments um, that, that should be on the list instead of some of the things that, that I put on there. So please write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com to give me your top 10 list or anything that I did not include because I'm sure that I'm, I'm either missing... Uh, not including painful Stephen King moments or I'm not putting them in the the correct order. So with all of that said, I'm going to begin with, it's not a death, um, but it is one that just really tugs on the heartstrings. And that is the conclusion of one of Stephen King's more recent works in the the chronology of his publications, one that I, I hope, as I record this, will find new life um, and 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 widespread popularity and respect in the James Franco starring J.J. Abrams produced Hulu television event eleven twenty two sixty three, and that is the dance, the final dance between main character main character Jake Epping. Um, who has traveled back to his present after spending years falling in love with Sadie Dunhill to find her again in a new timeline in which the two of them never met, never fell in love. Uh, they meet again. Um, he is the same age. She is an old woman. And yet, they are from two different times, two different realities. They do share something still, and she recognizes something about him. And as the, the book winds its way down to the end, uh, they share one final heartbreaking dance and it's hard to read it without getting swelled up in the emotion that that Stephen King just whips up like um, he is in the tempest and he is just creating a a storm of emotion that that we are caught up in it is a beautiful moment it is so heartbreaking it is it is painful to read because it is um, a true tragedy that these two characters were not able to be together as they really function as one of the, the best um, uh, examples of Stephen King's um, love stories. Number nine um, is the death of a main character of one of Stephen King's books. The what I What I consider to be one of his um, most unappreciated, most made fun of works, and that is 1994's Insomnia, its main character being Ralph Roberts, who uh, begins the book as an older man, ends the book as an older man, but it begins with the the death of his wife, um, and in that death, he manages to, to find purpose um, he goes on to save the multiverse and all of existence, falls in love again, um, but the, the, the book ends with his quiet, brave sacrifice of, of just saving the life of, of one young girl, um, and 
you know, maybe this 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 is a, this is a, a painful moment that I, I don't think many people out there share. I don't think that people feel as strongly about it as I do, but it's one that when I think of um, when I think of Stephen King deaths, I always think of Ralph Roberts and seeing him uh, seeing him die. Uh, it, it really really tugs at my my heartstrings and. Let's see. Number eight is one that I also don't think is going to be on many people's lists if they were to create that. And that comes from a book that, again, doesn't get a lot of Stephen King love. It's one that I think is ridiculed. It's one that Stephen King himself doesn't like very much. And it's one that I do have problems with. But I also love um, because of the, the sheer absurdity of it. And it's one that I really enjoyed rediscovering during this podcast um, experiment that I've had going for almost two years now. And that is... Jim Gardner's lonely death in the end of the Tommyknockers. He's someone that, that really, he, he saves humanity. He pilots the alien ship. The Tommyknocker ship flies it out into space where he simply dies. And the idea of him floating in this, this giant um, crypt that just serves as his tomb... Um, floating into under alien stars until the end of time that's haunting it's lonely and to me it's just it's one of the more gut-wrenching moments that Stephen King has committed to to paper okay number seven I just highlighted because for me this goes further higher up on the list so I'm gonna bump a couple ones down. I'm going to bump this one up. And even as I'm talking right now, I feel as though there's another segment from the book that this is included that probably should go there in lieu of what I'm talking about. Um, going back to the fact that Stephen King has so many painful moments. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, number six, I'm sorry, number seven right now has been swapped with what I was talking about. Number seven is. Um, it's just sad. It, it's just really. It's just really sad. You, you can't. You can't get around it. It's just. It's the death of Gage Creed from Pat Cemetery, guys. It's a. It's a horrible death that I think um, was done so well in the movie. The movie has many cheesy qualities, but the the Polaroid snapshots of of Gage Creed's life juxtaposed with Dale Midkiff's um, uh, screaming on his knees and uh, the spinning tires of the overturned freighter is a truly haunting image that encapsulates the the death of this 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 young child it is very well done both on page and on screen um and it gauge is just a character that you fall in love with he's just a cute kid and the the tragedy of this moment the, the book itself and the movie itself would not work if if King was not able to create a, a living, breathing character that, that we believe in, um, and if he wasn't able to sell us on this death, and he does, and it breaks our hearts every single time. The the story of Pet Cemetery cannot function without this death, um, and he definitely makes this death work. Okay, so our number six is the death of Eddie Dean in the pages of The Dark Tower. Um... This one is brutal, guys. This one is brutal. It is so sad um, when he goes because it's the first 
death of the quartet members, and it's the one that is the most unexpected. Um, it's unheroic. Um, King doesn't um, mythologize it. He doesn't get his hero. You know, like I said, he doesn't get his hero moment. It's just a wayward bullet to the head. It's undignified, and he doesn't even go out in a bang. He he then proceeds to just degenerate um, and hold on to, to dear life before he finally he finally winks out of existence. Um, it's brutal. It's awful. It's awful. The, the death of Eddie just hits us like a gunshot to the head um, as well um, and is then followed up immediately by um, our number, I've already lost count because even looking at this list, I'm transposing, uh, the, the, the entries here. It's, it's, it's Jake, it's Jake, it's Jake, uh, Chambers, our, um, resident Kennedy from, Kenny from South Park character in the Dark Tower series who dies three times in the, the course of the, the Dark Tower mythos. Um, the first off page in the pages of the gunslinger the second time at the end of the gunslinger and the third time he dies in the pages of the dark tower where he sacrifices himself um to save the life of both roland the gunslinger and stephen king and the the reason why the third death is the saddest death is because he dies when he actually the moment when he dies he dies off page um we are focused on roland and roland's emotion at the time and when roland's able to turn his attention back to jake jake has already died it is such a small but pivotal moment in making that death just break our hearts rips our hearts out smashes our hearts cuts them up and scares them to the four winds it is brutal guys brutal all right up next, we have another moment from the Dark Tower series, and that is the realization that Roland does not die, but Roland lives again and again and again and again. Um, the, we have spent years wondering how the Dark Tower was going to end, and I don't think any of us expected it to end exactly this way. And after all of his Kotet members have passed into the clearing at the edge of the path, um, and after we have seen them rejoin each other in an alternate world to live a life of, of being together, of as much happiness as, as they can have in a lifetime together, um, we see Roland's true fate, which is to repeat his misery over and over again. It is a painful ending to a painful journey, one that truly summarizes the life uh, of a man who has made horrific choices and um, choices that, that have just ended in bloodshed again and again and again. Up next, we have the death of another child, Tad Trenton, which comes very unexpectedly. Um, it, it's like a fever dream when it happens. Donna realizes that her son is dead. It prompts her to take action against the, the primal creature that has put them in the situation. It becomes man versus uh, nature at this time, or be, to be specific, woman versus St. Bernard. And uh, she faces down the, the, the monster that has uh, haunted her son. And uh, it, it's just, it's a moment that seems a bit too much. Um, it's not necessary. I think that King himself regrets it and applauds the, the, the makers of the Cujo movie for 
taking back that particular death, which still reverberates throughout uh, King's published works. Number two, guys, is the death of one of Stephen King's most beloved supporting characters, one that made the top 10 list from last week, and that is the sudden unexpected death of Nick Andros, who had functioned as the heart and soul of of our characters and the pages of The Stand. And when Nick dies by the, the bomb that Harold Lauder sets off, it truly... Um, it makes it very unexpected. We we didn't necessarily see this coming. Uh, maybe we expected some characters to die, but not Nick Andros. That one is brutal, um, and it made me question whether or not I wanted to keep on reading because he was the character that I was reading rooting for the most. So Nick Andros being up there, that is a painful, painful Stephen King moment. Which brings us to our number one, which when I first made this list, it was at number seven. Um, but number one most painful King moment is actually going to be shared by two moments. Um, and maybe it's a bit of a bit of a cheat, but it's going to be two moments here. Uh, the first of which is from the pages of it itself. And it's not necessarily a death though. The death of Eddie Kasprak is, is very, very sad. It's the realization that the losers are forgetting their friendship. That's what gets me. There's a moment that they have when they are, they, they get into an elevator and I think Bev sees the reflection of all of the losers together. And it's the last time that they're going to be able to, to be together um, in body and in spirit before uh, the magic starts to leave them and whatever forces were at work start to just go away. And as they recede, it takes away all of the memories that this quartet had together, which is just think about the best times that you might have had with your friends and, and realize that life is now going to drain away all of the memories that you ever had, both bad and good. That to me is just, that is heartbreaking. Um, and I mean, I understand why he does it and it's fitting and I, I and I'm not saying that I, I, I wish otherwise. I'm glad that he does it because it fits what he's doing with, with it, but, um, it's heartbreaking nevertheless, but not as heartbreaking as the, the only death on this list, um, aside from Tad Trenton, but the, the, the death that just shouldn't be. The one that is extraneous, the one that really is just a kick to the balls, the one that's the meanest death in any of Stephen King's um, deaths. Uh, it, it's it's the the biggest fu moment I would say from Stephen King to his 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 readership fan base. The the one that is just shows a cruel streak that that he has, um, and that is the death of one of his most beloved characters. Oi, the Billy Bumbler in the pages of the Dark Tower. Um, so I just realized that um, everyone but Susanna from the Dark Tower has a, a top 10 uh, spot here. But guys, as you know, Oi dying, it, it, it doesn't just tug on the heartstrings. I mean, it, it rips them out brutally without a, a, a sharp uh, scalpel, but uh, just a, a rusty blade. It's, it's, it's awful. It's awful. Um, 
and you, you know how I feel about it. Um, I just think it's it's cool. It's the only time that I, I think that Stephen King was was wrong in in following uh, what he had laid down as a foreshadowing device. It's just mean. Um, Oi didn't have to die, and I think that this is one example where he should have probably gone soft on us. But hey, he didn't. And I would say that these are the the top ten most painful King moments of all time. If you have any other uh, painful moments that you think should have been on the list, um, feel free to write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.